Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and I know y'all saw that. I know y'all saw that. Thursday Night Football, NFC West, Cardinals, Niners on Thursday Night Football, uh, Week 9. I can't believe it's already Week 9 into the NFL season, Uh, but lo and behold, Niners 28. Cardinals 25. It was, it was a tight one. Uh, I know that the spread was Niners 10.5. Cardinals were home dogs 10.5 points over under 43.5. But man, what a high scoring game. Uh, what a exciting game. Uh, a little bit refreshing to see for Thursday Night Football, given that a lot of Thursday Night Football games are kind of on the ugly side. Both teams have, you know, not that much time to prepare. It's a tough task at hand for both teams. Uh, notably for the rookies, I, I give a lot of credit to Kyler Murray, a uh, rookie coming off a short week. You could say the same thing about Nick Bosa. You could say the same thing about both teams. Um, and it was kind of a trap game for the Niners in that sense. Um, it's kind of it's kind of weird. The Niners have lost eight straight to the Cardinals. And so as much as you saw the Niners as 10.5 point favorites, I mean, mentally, it was a big accomplishment for the Niners it could have gone either way. It could have gone either way. And, you know, the score obviously indicates that the Cardinals played a great game. I think that Cliff Kingsbury, while he did have some mishaps, we can talk about that in a bit, while he did have some mishaps with his timeouts and, and whatnot in the second half of the game, his play calling was good. Kyler Murray, rookie, like I said, he's coming off a short week, and it's really tough for rookie players, let alone a quarterback. But... Kyler Murray, through five games, his last five games, he has zero interceptions. He looks really good against the Niners. This Niners front seven, notably their front four pass rush. Um, yeah, man, I mean, Nick Bosa, uh, no sacks. He was he was right around there. Murray was sacked three times by D. Ford, I believe Drake Greenlaw, and DeForest Buckner. But, you know, overall, you know, you're talking about a Niners defense that was ranked second in the NFL. Kyler Murray handled that front four just a okay. Um, rolled out in the pocket, had a couple of quarterback runs, uh, made this Niners front seven uncomfortable for good stretches of the game. Now, I know that here's the thing I know that the opposition, opposing teams, especially like the Saints, the Packers, the Seahawks, you know, all these teams that the Niners are going to play in the second half, I'm sure they took note of what the Cardinals did. Um, but at the same time, too, there aren't that many quarterbacks like Kyler Murray. Uh, I think the only comparable one in terms of that mobile quarterback and obviously should be better than the Kyler Murray would be Russell Wilson. But the Cardinals did an excellent job of stretching the field laterally, challenging the Niners linebackers to make a play. And it worked. Uh, you saw Kenyon Drake in the passing game for his debut as a Cardinal. He finished actually with 110 rushing yards, I think 55 yards receiving and a touchdown uh, started this game kind of with a surprise with a bang Kenyon Drake had only been with the team for about four days traded from the Dolphins for a mid-round pick and he bounced it outside off a counter 35 yards on that first drive ended up doing another toss to the right side for the score and the Cardinals did look good for the beginning and the latter stages of this game um, but at the same time, too, you got to give a lot of credit for the Niners for coming out with that win and being 8-0. and Offensively for the Niners, the Niners were one of the top 
ranked running teams, but it was quite obvious that the Cardinals sold out on the run. They wanted to stop the run. They wanted to put it on Jimmy Garoppolo. And you know what? Jimmy Garoppolo was up for the challenge. I'm not saying that this Cardinals team is world-beating, uh, a top-tier defense, but you know, on the road, Jimmy G, this is probably his best game, period, as a Niner. Uh, first time in a long while where a Niners quarterback throws for four touchdowns, 300 yards, and I think the most noteworthy thing about this game you know, you can talk about all, you know some of the stats for, from quarterbacks, but the most important thing for this um, for this Niners offense was Jimmy Garoppolo was 11 for 13 on third and fourth downs for three touchdowns. 11 for 13, I believe, for 135 passing yards, three touchdowns for his four touchdown performance. He looks really good with his connection to newly acquired receiver Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders did his thing in the slot. I think he had like eight, nine catches for about 110 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but man, I mean, for, for a team like the Niners to not have their run game A1 uh, and to put it on Jimmy Garoppolo, to have that right there, uh, really, I mean, it, no bias, kind of bias, but it proved a lot to me. It was, it was the game that I was hoping to see Jimmy Garoppolo do this season, and I don't know. That second half for the Niners, they play the Ravens, they play the Saints, they play, play the Packers. They have some really tough games for the second half. Uh, but this really shows that uh, Jimmy G can do the damn thing when his number is called upon. Uh, conversely, for, for this Cardinals team, I don't know if it's going to really be a moral victory, but I mentioned earlier the Cardinals were 10.5 point f- underdogs at home. They were down... Like what, 21 7? Like that second half in the third quarter, it looked kind of like your typical Niners win where they were just doing their thing, dominating at the line of scrimmage for certain stretches. But, you know, this Cardinals team stuck by their game planning. And eventually, Kyler Murray was able to make a play or two to keep them right in the game. Uh, I think the play of the game goes out to rookie slot receiver Andy Isabella. Now, I don't know why they're not really playing him as much as they should. Maybe it's because of his grasp of the play calling, um, for the playbook, his blocking steps, whatever. But Andy Isabella finally broke out. I think he only had two catches going into this game. But he broke out on a, uh, I say an in, in route from the left, left side to the right. Emmanuel Mosley tried to play underneath the ball. He overplayed it. Uh, Isabella hauled in the reception. He broke Sherman, uh, kicked it inside, went down for the 88-85 yard score, and it made it really interesting for a 28-25 to ball game. Fast forward, the Niners have, you know, it's third and long, um, right around the two-minute mark. The Cardinals are trying to get the ball back, and the Niners, Jimmy Garoppolo, that offense, is able to convert the first down and get into their victory V formation. So awesome job by the Niners, awesome job by the Cardinals. It was a very marquee matchup, at least for me in the NFC West, but I hope that those that saw from the national perspective um, had a bigger appreciation for this division. Because when you look at this division right now, the Niners are undefeated at 8-0, Seahawks at 6-2, Rams at 5-3, and the Cardinals at 3 Five and one. 
The Cardinals are 3-5-1. They were on a three-game winning streak. Now they're playing some tough, tougher teams. They just got handed a loss to the Niners. They just lost to the Saints the week before. Um, but Kyler Murray, like I mentioned before, zero interceptions the last five games. He's progressing. And, you know, their, their learning curve or your expectations for this Cardinals team is different from, you know, let's just say the Rams or the Niners or the Seahawks. You're talking about a, a team with a rookie head coach, a rookie quarterback. Things are going to take a little bit of time. And that's okay. And that's okay. I think that this sort of, uh, it's hard to say, but this sort of loss puts this team in the right direction. They got their mind right. They played well. You saw a lot out of Kyler Murray. Keyshawn Johnson, their fifth round pick rookie, got his first touchdown of the season. And Isabella, their newly acquired running back, Kenyon Drake. Uh, Chandler Jones had the only sack of the game. He was doing his thing. Um, You know, even Buda Baker, their, their free safety, Shoot, let me look at his stat line. He had 13 total tackles, three passes defected, two tackles for loss. I mean, he was all over the field. Um, so hang your head up high, Cardinals. Um, really solid really solid effort. Going back up the stream for the standings, the Rams are 5-3 and three right now. They have a bye, so I have nothing too much to say about them right now at this point in Week 9 of the NFL season. But next week... They play at the Steelers. Should be interesting. They've been kind of getting their swagger back. Swagger back the last two games, beating the the Bengals and the Falcons. So they get another winnable game against the Steelers. Upstream again, second place, you have the Seahawks. And I'll get to them in a bit, notably for what they just did today off of waivers. But there were 6-2 in which, you know, I think out of their six wins, five out of their six wins have been decided by less than a touchdown. Some really tight matchups where it could have gone either way, where they're hanging right in there. They're six and two. And, you know, the best is yet to come because the Seahawks team typically does very well in the second half. But similar to the Niners schedule, when you look at the Seahawks schedule, they have a very tough second half as well. So it should be a good gauging point to see where they're going to be out, whether they win the division or whether they take a wild card. Um, but that leads me to, to the last thing about the Niners at 8-0. They're 8-0 right now. They'll have some extended time since they played off a short week to have some time to rest because they played the Seahawks the following week on Week 10 for Monday Night Football. And here's the notable thing about this, uh, this Niners team. The good thing about the Niners is they came off the win off a short week they're 8-0, which is great. You saw good things out of Jimmy Garoppolo and this passing game. Finally, you have a number one receiver in, in Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, you're seeing a lot of promise from this passing game, finally. And moving forward for Week 10, from what I understand, their left tackle, Joe Staley, their right tackle, Mike McGlinchey, their fullback, Kyle Juszczyk, they should be back and healthy. Maybe even Nikella Witherspoon, from what I've heard, their cornerback, they should be back and ready for Seattle Monday Night Football. But, there's always a but, the Niners got faced another injury where they take a step back on the defense. Their linebacker, inside linebacker, Quan Alexander, who's been, you know, the last couple weeks, he's, he's been eh, on the run. He has about, I think, what, five, six missed tackles the last five weeks or so. Actually, make that eight per profile fo- focus. They said eight missed tackles the last five weeks. But he's been A1 in pass coverage. He's been, you know, that new coming 2019 
linebacker, coverage linebacker in their cover three scheme. Very important from sideline to sideline. But he left the game in the second half. Um, He was optimistic that his injury wouldn't be that bad. But based off this MRI today, they have announced that he is a torn pectoral. And he is out for the season. He is out for the season. Uh, Rookie linebacker Dre Greenlaw replaced him during the game. Most likely he's going to replace him as the starter moving forward. Uh, That's a big blow for the Niners. It's not like Nick Bosa of a blow in terms of like what he means to the defense. But Quan Alexander was very important for them, especially covering running backs, tight ends. He was a rangy linebacker in that mold. He was their, I won't say their Bobby Wagner, maybe their KJ Wrights of the Niners, but a very rangy athletic linebacker uh, that will be missed. Uh, he will be missed on this Niners team. And it makes you think too, because the Niners might take a step forward on the offense, but they take a step back on defense. And it's it's rough because the next opponent is going to be the Seahawks. And let me talk about the Seahawks right now. The Seahawks, they are going to be very interesting in the second half. The Seahawks have just picked up a certain receiver from New England off of waivers today. Josh Gordon. Uh, Y'all know about him. New England receiver. He was put on IR earlier in the week. Uh, They released him. Cleared waiver, or he didn't clear waivers. He was picked up on waivers by the Seattle Seahawks, which is a big surprise to me, considering that 27 other teams were ahead of the Seahawks on the waiver wire. And so the Seahawks have now picked up pretty much, you know, not too much of a risk for them to pick them pick them up off waivers. They have to pay the, his remaining salary, which I believe is $2.25, $2.5 million left on his contract that the Patriots aren't going to pay. It's going to be on the Seahawks tab. But a good gamble for the second half of the season. Russell Wilson, Josh Gordon on the outside. Tyler Lequette. In the slot, DK Metcalf on the outside. That is scary. That is scary on paper. So, like, right now, um, DK Metcalf has the most end zone targets with 12 through 8 weeks. And just imagine some of the possibilities that Pete Carroll can do in this offense with Josh Gordon. You know, it's it's interesting to note, too, because Josh Gordon was put in IR. They said he he was dealing with... with, um, I think it was like a knee injury. Don't quote me on this, but he had like a, a bruised bone or something like that in his knee. Um, something kind of kind of iffy. They put him on IR, and then I guess his parting ways is they mentioned that you know his work ethic was questionable. But whatever for the Seahawks, they, I mean, they've always taken risks. They, they, I mean, shoot, they traded for Percy Harvin, Sidney Rice, Jimmy Graham. I mean, they've done plenty of these sort of moves to take on this risk. And some of them have worked. You know, they traded for Marshawn Lynch. That worked great. And some of them not so much. But uh, Pete Carroll gets another toy in this offense in the second half. And so they play the Niners in Week 10. It's going to be interesting. If I'm the Seahawks, I I think this is, or if I'm a Seahawks fan, if I'm a 12, I think this is a great move for them. Uh, Like, I just can't believe that 27 other teams passed on Josh Gordon. I know he's got some character flaws and, and whatever, but... You know, the Raiders or, the, I don't know, 27 other teams had a chance to get Josh Gordon. Uh, 
I don't know, man. Uh, if there was a team like that would take him on, it would be the Seahawks. And I think their stock goes, I want to say it goes way up. You know, lay off the weed. It's illegal in Seattle for, for marijuana, by the way. But I think that, you know, for the second half, it makes things really interesting for the Seahawks team. I think that their stock is up. Their pass rush hasn't been there yet in the first half of the season. But that doesn't mean that they won't get it eventually in the second half of the season. And I don't know. Their offense has been healthy. Tyler Lookett, Russell Wilson. If you look at some of the stats for Russell Wilson, he is playing at a efficient MVP level in terms of deep passing yards. So think about this. I mean, the Seahawks run the ball, run the ball quite heavily, just as much as the Niners. But Russell Wilson's deep ball is beautiful. Beautiful. They have, for the stats per pro football focus, Russell Wilson has 693 deep passing yards um, for yards gained on throws targeted by 20-plus yards. So he knows how to throw down deep, whether it's DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, now Josh Gordon. I'm just saying they're going to run, 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 play action, and the best play action guy right now is Russell Wilson. So stock up. For the Seahawks, sorry Niner fans, stock down for the Niners with Quan Alexander now out. Monday Night Football, Week 10, Seahawks at Niners. Uh, with a new toy in Josh Gordon, Quan Alexander is now out. Makes things a lot more intriguing for that matchup. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Let me take a step back. I might be getting too much ahead of myself with Week 10 because if you look at Week 9, the Niners have obviously played. The Cardinals have obviously played for Thursday Night Football. The Rams, they are on a bye. I have nothing to say to them for now. So the week matchup at hand for Week 9, the only thing left I can say in the NFC West is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, those Buccaneers. Bruce Arians' Buccaneers, where Bruce Arians, when he was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, uh, he used to say, actually, uh, that at Seattle, that is my field, because he's had a very good record within the division when he was part of the NFC West with the Cardinals. He had a very good record playing the Seahawks uh, at Seattle. And if you think about it, too, I think historically, which is really weird to think about because, I mean, it's not that it's not too often that the Buccaneers play the Seahawks, but their last four out of five matchups, the Buccaneers have had their number. They have won the last four out of five matchups against the Seahawks, and I just don't know why. Uh, it, obviously, it's a different team. It's They don't play that often, but every time they do play, the Buccaneers seem to do very well against Seattle. And mind you, the Seattle Seahawks have only a 2-2 two and two record. They have a 500 record at home, which is very un-12-like. Uh, yeah, very un-12-like. They're 2-2 two and two at home. And so they had a, I think the last time they played at home, it was they lost 30-16 to, to, to the Ravens. And I, I'm just saying, the Buccaneers aren't the Ravens, but uh, makes you wonder. Because for the Seahawks line, they were favored at home. It opened at... Seahawks favored by five and a half, over under 51 and a half, so a high scoring game. As of right now, as of 
Friday, 10.46 p.m. right now, which is when I'm recording this pod. But as of right now, uh, yeah, it's Seahawks 4.5, 51.5. So it's a pretty close game considering if you look at the records. I mean, the Bucks haven't been that great, but shoot, um, they have some good secret stuff. They can certainly score points. They can certainly put the ball, make a play, whether it's with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Uh, they can certainly pass the ball and put up points with Jameis Winston. And so over under 51 and a half, it's suggesting that it's going to be a high-scoring game. The Bucks have done well, and, you know, for the Seattle defense, too. Mentioned before, their, their pass rush has been okay. Um, their secondary, outside of Shaquille Griffin, has been eh. They um, they traded for Quandre Diggs as their starting safety in a, in a trade earlier. That helps their secondary depth. But you know, I I, I just think at this point uh, the best is yet to come for the Seattle defense. And if you look at this Buccaneers d- defense, conversely, I mean, Seahawks they like to run the ball. They run the ball very well. But surprisingly enough, you know, th- their defensive tackles on the Buccaneers, whether it's Ndamukong Kongsu or Vita Vea. Their defensive tackles, they have one of the top-ranked run defenses in the league. Uh, at one point, they were number one. I, I, I got to check now, but they're for sure top five. Um, they have some Ed rushers to keep in mind as well between Bill Barrett, not too bad of an edge player. So, I mean, there are components to this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that does not bode well if you match it up against the Seahawks offense and Buccaneers offense, like I mentioned before. What a challenging task at hand for the Seattle Legion of Boom. Mix and match. It doesn't match too well for Seattle. I can understand why I went from a five and a half to a four and a half. It's just that kind of skinny right now. And I, I do recognize uh, I do recognize that Russell Wilson's playing great. Um, this is probably going to be there are no easy games in the NFL, but there kind of are. This is probably going to be their easiest game as they enter the second half of the season. So this is, I won't say it's a must-win game, but after the Buccaneers, it gets really effing hard for them. Let's look at the schedule for, for the Seahawks right now. So, okay, so they host the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are 2-5. and five. The Cardinals are 6-2. and two. They should win this game, but after that, Week 10, Monday Night Football at Niners. The following week, East Coast game at Philly. Uh, that should be a Sunday night football game. And then they host the Vikings, and then they play the Rams, and then after that they go at Carolina, and then they finish it off divisional, uh, hosting the Cardinals and the Niners. And so this second half, I mean, it's just as hard as, as the Niners' second half. Uh, a lot of teams that are above 500. And so this is the only team on the second half of the schedule that is below 500 at 2-5. and five. But they're a tricky one. So all I'm saying is just be a little bit mindful of this matchup. I think that for this matchup, the Seahawks have to do what they've been doing the whole season, which is, you know, if they can't rely on the run game, if the Buccaneers can stop the run, whether it's Chris Carson or Rashad Penny, they have to put the game on Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson is totally capable of doing this. But I'm just saying it's going to be a little bit tougher than what it looks on paper. The Buccaneers are 2-5, and five, but I'm just saying be careful of this matchup. It could be a little trappy. They could overlook this game and just saying, hey, we got the, the Niners in Week 10. We got, you know, Eagles. We got the Rams. We got all these other teams ahead. But they need to win this game at hand. They need to take care of business at home with their shitty 500 record at home. They got to 
improve that, obviously. They got to go above with a 3-2 and two record at home. Give me a whole bunch of, t- of Tyler Lequette, DK Metcalf. I want the passing game to come back at Seattle because their secondary is not good. It's not good. It's their run defense is good. If I look at their secondary right now, it's Carlton Davis. Vernon Hargreaves the third. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just shit. Safeties, Mike Edwards, Jordan Whitehead. I mean, it's not that good of a back and secondary. Okay, so if the run game gets taken out, and I wouldn't be surprised if it does because, I mean, that's one thing that the Buccaneers have surprised all of us this season. But if it, they can stop the run game, then their passing game has to get going. My X-factor game player of this game is going to be DK Metcalf. I mentioned before, he's got like, what, 13 targets in the red zone, and they need to kind of have him in that Mike Evans mold. I need to see DK Metcalf lobbed up for balls, for touchdowns for this game. So, circling back, Seahawks 5, they don't have Josh Gordon yet. He just joined the team. Will he play? Uh, in my opinion, probably not, but if he does, that'd be really cool. But having said that, I keep telling you guys, be careful about this team, but I just can't co-sign an upset as much as the Bruce Arians factor. Uh, uh, Seahawks better win this game, because if not, I mean, it's just... Give me the Seahawks 31-27. to 27. Right around there, 31-27, I think it will be a high-scoring game because I think that Jameis Winston, whether it's with Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, I think that he's going to do well against this Seattle secondary. And conversely, I think that Russell Wilson is going to be tasked upon him to throw it to his receivers, man. I want to see some more DK Metcalf. That's all I'm saying, man. He's the X factor for me. It wouldn't surprise me if he got two touchdowns and, and really honed it down. Because uh, I think for the second half, they're going to need him more um, because teams, I mean, secondaries, they're, they're targeting Tyler to look at. So you need their other guy on the outside to wreak havoc in the red zone. So give me the Seahawks 31, the Buccaneers 27. They come out with the win. And I, I guess whether it's five and a half or four and a half, but they don't cover. It's going to be a closer game based off what I said. Buccaneers don't sleep on them. Uh, Will they upset? I I just can't co-sign on that, but Buccaneers are certainly going to be right there in the mix for this matchup. All right, all right. So happy Friday for you guys. By the time you guys get this, it's going to be Saturday. We're going to go right into week nine of the NFL season. It's been a busy week for me uh, for a lot of work stuff and you know a bit of a curveball to have Thursday night football for the NFC West, but... I don't mind. I don't mind. It's a good time. It's a good time. So until next time, thank you for checking out the pod, whether you're checking this out on iTunes, Spotify, or check me out on Instagram, at Just the West, Twitter, at Just the West, and of course, the blog, which I've been kind of lagging, but I'll try to get better at that, www.justthewest.com. Until next time, we out here. Peace.